What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And this verse describes rain as being sent by God to fulfill his good purpose. And every time it gets hot and dry and the snowpacks on those mountains melt, we can hear God saying the words of Isaiah 55, 10 again, as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither again, but watereth the earth and maketh it to bug forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the hearer and to the eater. Every time the snow melts and releases its stores of water, we can hear God say to the snow, that's melting, melting snow, go! Melting snow, I send you. Don't return until you have accomplished the purpose I sent you for. Melting snow, I send you. Go, melting snow. Water the earth, that's my purpose for you. Melting snow, make the earth to bring forth and bud. That's my purpose for you. Melting snow, do my will. Melting snow, I send you to make the earth to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's my purpose for you. That's not the only purpose for the rain and the snow. God has purpose, another purpose, for the rain and the snow. And it's not just to water the earth and to make the earth to bring forth and bud. God's purpose for the rain and the snow is not just to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, but there are two very important words in Isaiah 55, 10, and they're the first two words of that verse. And with those two words of that verse, we see that there's a deeper meaning behind the rain and the snow because it says this in Isaiah 55, 10, for as, for as, the rain cometh down in the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, etc. Those two words, for as, tell us there's a higher purpose for the rain and the snow. Those two words, for as, tell us God's higher purpose for the rain or the snow is to teach us. The rain and the snow are God's classroom. It's to show us, it's to instruct us it's to, it's to lead us, it's to guide us. 
And those two words, for us, teach us that, the deep meaning by way of an analogy. God wants us to look at the rain and the snow and say, I see the rain and the snow are similar to God's word. I see there's a parallel between the rain and the snow and the word of God. I see there's a resemblance between the rain and the snow and the word of God. I see the rain and the snow are just like God's word. And God tells us in this verse 11, after the, in Isaiah 55, where verse 10 starts out, for as, and then verse 11 says, so shall, so here it says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the thing which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. See, he says, the word of God comes out of the mouth of God. The mouth of God is always seen as the source of life. The mouth of God is seen as the source of life. The spirit of God, from the mouth of God, breathed into, the, into man, and man became a living soul. Now, from verse 11, God wants us to see that the rain and the snow are just like God's word and how they both came down. The rain and the snow came down, and God's word came down from heaven. God's word came forth from his mouth. The rain and the snow are just like God's word and how they were both sent. God sent the rain and the snow to accomplish his purpose of making the earth to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. God sent his word to accomplish his purpose. And he talks about that in Jeremiah 23, 29, where God says, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? It breaks the hard heart. That's the description also given to the word of God in Hebrews 4.12, where it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God has that power. The word of God also has the power to give us life. The word of God has, a, has the power to give us eternal life. The word of God has the power to make us born again, as it says in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word of God brings life by making sinners to be born again into a new life by the word of God. That's why it's called in Philippians 2.16, holding forth the word of life. Its title is the word of life because it gives life. Every time God's word is preached and read, we can hear God in the same way as he said to the rain and the snow, Bible, go, word of God, go. Bible, I send you, don't return unto me until you have accomplished the purpose I send you for. Bible, I send you, go, reveal to the sinners their sinful thoughts and intents of their heart. That's my purpose for you. Make the sinners to be honest before God 
and to say, God, have mercy on me, a lost sinner. Bible, make the sinners to have life. That's my purpose for you. Bible, do my will. Bible, I send you to make sons and daughters of God. That's my purpose for you. Bible, I send you to feed my sons and my daughters. And the ultimate parallel, the ultimate parallel with all this is with God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who God the Father said to, Son, go! Son, I send you! Don't return unto me until you have accomplished the purpose I sent you for. And when he was on the cross, his last words for Project Earth, his last words when he was on planet Earth as in the flesh was the word accomplished, finished, accomplished, Son, he says, the Father, I send you. Go reveal to the sinners the sinful thoughts and intents of their heart. That's one of the purposes I'm sending you for. And when he met the defiled woman, he said to her, it said about that encounter in John 4, 17 through 19, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Son, make sinners to have life. That's my purpose for you. And speaking of himself, the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 6, 33, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth his life unto, unto the world. Son, do my will. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in Psalm 40, verse eight, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. John 8, 29, and he that sent me is with me, and the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And Luke 22, 42, saying, Father, if, it be, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Matthew 6, 10, he taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in earth as it is in heaven. Son, I send you to make sons and daughters of God. That's my purpose for you. And the Lord Jesus Christ made himself able to be received, which makes a person a child of God as it says in John 1:12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And speaking of how he had converted a lost Jewish Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke 19, 9, and Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. And speaking to his disciples, he, to his believer, the believing disciples, he said in Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Bible, I send you to feed my sons and daughters. Rain, I send you to feed. The Lord, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, son, I send you to feed my sons and daughters. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 6, 51, I'm the living bread. 
which came down from heaven, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. So, just as the rain was given by God and was sent by God and is a witness of God, God also can and does stop the rain. And that's described in Deuteronomy eleven seventeen. This is getting back to Ruth, where it says, and then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, lest ye perish quickly from off the good ground which the Lord giveth you. So here we can see that God warned very solemnly, very seriously, the Jewish people that if they made him angry, just as easily as that he had opened up heaven to give them rain, that he would shut up the heaven, that there should be no rain. And he told them that he would do this so that the land would not yield her fruit. And King Solomon saw clearly the rain as being withheld because of sin. And he prayed these words in the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8.35. He said, when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, when God did judge sin, God had a certain description for what the land would become. And he described that in Deuteronomy 28.24 when God said, when it said, when Moses said, the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust, powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. In our verse here, we've been studying here in Ruth 1.1, it tells us, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. So during the time when every man did that which was right in his own eyes and there was no rain, there was a famine in the land. And during the time when there was no king to discipline the people, to do right and not wrong, there was no rain, there was a famine in the land. And during the time when there was no will for the people to be self-disciplined, to do right and, and not to do wrong, there was no rain, there was a famine in the land. And the great question for this time is what, what was a Jewish person to do? What was a Jewish person to do when they made God angry with their sin and there was no rain? And let's extend it. What has any person to do when he makes God angry with the sin and suffers the consequences of it? What is any person to do when they've made God angry with their sin and there's no rain, so to speak? in their life? What is a person to do when he's made God angry and their sins just, their sins have separated them from God and as a result they feel dry, they feel like powder and dust, empty as a land of powder and dust. And King Solomon, the wise, he told us what to do in that same prayer of dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8, 35-36 when he said, when heaven is shut up, and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee. As he said, if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk and give rain upon thy land, which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. That's a time to pray. That's the time to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to confess openly of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to turn away from sin because God said, again, 
That's what you need to do. In 2 Chronicles 7, 13 through 14, it's, it says, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. That's the time to humble self before the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to pray. That's the time to get on the knees before the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to earnestly seek the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to say sin isn't worth it. I turn away from it. Now, continuing here, we read in verse one about a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. That's what it says. This was a man of Bethlehem, Judah. The word Bethlehem means the house of bread. There were two Bethlehems in the land of Israel. One was this in the land of Judah, and the other was more, much farther north in the land of Galilee. This is the Bethlehem. What we're talking about is south in the land of Judah. Bethlehem was a town that David came from. Bethlehem is the one referred to in Micah 5.2, where it says, but thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old and from everlasting. This is the place where the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, came, was born in the flesh, born in this place called the house of bread, in this town called the house of bread. And in Micah 5.2, it's called Bethlehem Ephrata, and that's how it's referred to here in Ruth 1.2. It talks about Ephratites of Bethlehem. Ephrata, Ephratites. Ephrata means fruitful. So it was called the house of bread in the land of fruitfulness. And when you consider the meaning of that place, what Ruth 1.1 is really referring to, it's a, it's a sad account. In Ruth 1.1, kind of, you could paraphrase it like this. There was a famine in the land, and a certain man from the house of bread went to sojourn in the country of Moab. In the house of bread from the land of fruitfulness, he went to sojourn in the country of Moab. We can just feel the sadness, feel the desolation of it all. This family looks on the fields that used to be so ephrata, they used to be so fruitful, and they look at their town that used to be the, the house of bread and so prosperous, and now all they just see is dry dust bowls because of sin, and they feel that if they stay there, they're gonna become like the land, dried up and die, so they move on, and they leave the land that used to be fertile, it used to be productive, it used to be fruitful, Ephrata. And the house of bread has now become a house of death. And they feel they're forced to move on. And we can just imagine how hard it was for them. Working in that land, they were just working, and everything seemed so futile, and nothing was happening. And it was, they just put in more work and sweat and labor, and nothing was coming, just as it describes. In Leviticus 26.20, And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And they just feel that. 
And they feel like God is, is like against them and God has forsaken them and they feel like God has done what he did in Psalm 107, 34, where it says of God changes a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. Now, they left. Not everyone left the land. We don't know why they decided to leave. And we're told, though, he left, this family left, Eli Melech, and he wept and went to the country of Judah. He was a Jew. This man, Eli Melech, was a Jew. And he left his own Jewish people. And he came into Moab. Moab was on the eastern side of the Dead Sea. The Moabites were the enemies of the Jewish people. He forsook, Eli Melech forsook his Jewish homeland. He forsook his Jewish people. He went to go live with the enemies of the Jewish people. Moab was a land of idolatry. It was a shame for him. It was, he was a shame for him as a Jew to come into the land of Moab. We can just imagine how the Moabites looked at him and they either said it or they thought it for sure. What are you doing in our land? You, you a Jew? Your God is not one of our gods. Isn't your God great? Isn't he able to feed you? You gotta come to the land of our gods for food? That's a tough thing. God has certain things to say about the Moabites. Can you please turn to Jeremiah 48, 11? Because here's God's comment about Moab. He says in Jeremiah 48, 11, Moab hath been at ease from his youth. He hath settled on his lees. He hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him and his scent is not changed. See, Moab is described by God as having been at ease from his youth. The Hebrew word for the word at ease is the word sha'an. And it has a meaning of a peacefulness that comes from being in a place of safety or refuge. It has the meaning of just feeling secure and nothing can threaten me because I'm in a safe place. It has the meaning of, of just feeling protected and that there's no reason to sweat it. There's no reason to worry. There's no reason for God. And Moab's condition of feeling no need for God is said to have afflicted him from his youth. Moab has always felt this way from his youth. Moab was a country that had no problems with other countries. They were not being threatened by their enemies. Moab felt protected. Moab felt safe. Moab felt secure. Moab was just, you might say, on easy street. Everything was going Moab's way. Moab had no troubles in life from his youth. And Moab is described as he had settled on his lees. The lees described the sediment in the wine. During the winemaking process, the grapes, when they're crushed, they leave a sediment at the bottom of the vessels, and it's called the lees. The wine is, is left to sit on its lees. When the lees settles down there with this grape sediment and it's not removed, the wine is setting on its lees. It's setting on its sediment. And this practice makes the wine have a very pungent flavor, a very strong taste. And when it says he had not been emptied from vessel to vessel, that's also referring to a winemaking process because in order for wine to not develop this very pungent 
strong flavor or taste, it not only has to be removed from its leaves or its sediment, but it has to be poured from one vessel to the other. So both of these practices of leaving the wine on its leaves or sediment and not pouring the wine from vessel to vessel causes the wine to develop this very pungent, strong taste. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.